Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Gunshot, your NBA podcast covering all teams regardless of market size. My name is Grant Gunn and I'm joined with my sister Lauren and we are back to continue our series, a look around the NBA where we cover all teams, uh, breaking down what this upcoming season looks like as well as a slight glimpse into the future. Uh, And today we are continuing with four teams again. However, these teams are all loosely some others not so loosely but all kind of based a little bit around donovan mitchell uh and kevin durant and so we'll we'll dive into those teams here in a second but um lauren there there's lots to talk about uh the biggest news of the day um was that memphis emerged as a suitor for kevin durant and we've talked about this uh in the past as as what we thought um what this what this could look like what a package could look like and right off the bat Memphis came out saying that uh, Jaron Jackson and uh, Desmond Bain would not be included in that, but obviously lots of wiggle room uh, to be had on that. Lots of posturing at this point in time. There's, there's plenty of time for this to get figured out. However, the clock still does seem to be ticking. So Lauren, we're going to talk about Memphis. That's going to be our first team, but let's start with the Kevin Durant news and how this impacts Memphis. What are your thoughts about, about what Memphis could and should do? Yeah, I mean, specifically on the Kevin Durant front, if you're looking at their team currently, um, they and you're you're thinking about the additions that they've made via the draft and via trade and and then the subtractions as well. Um, if you're looking at that, you swap out DeAnthony Melton for Danny Green, which is not a favorable swap for Memphis, uh, given how solid DeAnthony Melton was for them last year, especially in those games without John Morant. They bring back Tyus Jones, which was very huge. Um, and then on top of that, you've got several rookies, and I like their rookies. I I mean, they drafted David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, uh, Kennedy Chandler, and Vince Williams, and have Vince Williams and, and Kenneth Lofton Jr., signed to two-way deals but if you're really looking at their roster as a whole with jaron jackson jr being ruled out for four to six months you have big questions on on where they they fit i hear so many people trying to figure out uh the what they think the western conference standings could look like and where to place some of these teams and some people i hear having memphis really high and others i hear having memphis as a big question mark because they don't know how long jaron jackson jr will actually be out the chance of re-injury all that stuff and so if you're you're looking at this roster that had a really solid year last year and having all of these questions how can you not seriously entertain this kevin durant conversation and when Kevin Durant first demanded a trade, Memphis was one of the teams that we talked about, just given all of the assets that they had and that it made sense. There were other people out there that had also reported that Memphis had touched base with uh, Brooklyn, just doing their due diligence, which is what you would expect. But now it seems like whether it comes came from Kevin Durant's side or the Nets side, that things are starting to maybe pick up a little bit. Um, and for, for Memphis specifically, I absolutely think you do this. I mean, it's hard for me to, if you're looking at, okay, who who would a, a realistic package likely be based around? It is going to be one of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain. And even looking at both of those, I sit here and say, well, when are you going to have an opportunity to have a guy like Kevin Durant on your team to pair with some, for, for four years, I should add, for four years right. um, to pair with, someone who I think most people would say is a 
guaranteed future MVP in John Morant. How can you, how can you just glaze that by for, because you want to hold on to Desmond Bain, who's two years older, I might add, than Jaron Jackson Jr. And if I, if I'm running Memphis, I'm centering the trade around Jaron Jackson Jr. and holding on to Desmond Bain. But if I'm Brooklyn, I want Bain, even though he is two years older than Jaron Jackson Jr. So from a Memphis standpoint, I don't know how you can't seriously consider this. And given the rest of the teams and how they seem to kind of be at this stalemate and their negotiations, this could provide to be a big opportunity for Memphis to really get in here and shake things up. And back when we first talked about them, we noted them as being one of the teams to that would could potentially put together one of the top packages around the league. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about the, the different kind of assets. I, I think you mentioned their first round picks as well. They're one of the teams in the league that, that largely has control of all of their first round picks, which is what kind of makes this such an entertaining package from just the pick side of it. And obviously we've seen the kind of young talent that they've had and, and developed over the past couple of years. Um, it was interesting to hear them come out and say that that Jaron Jackson and um, Desmond Bain were the two that that they didn't want to include. And again, maybe it's early. Maybe they just think, hey, there are better packages out there. So if we're going to be in on it, we're not going to give these guys away. I I, I truly don't know what Memphis is thinking. I I can't I can't reconcile that in my head because I'm I'm with you. A shot at Kevin Durant and a John Morant pairing for four years at the minimum seems to be too good to be true if you're a Memphis fan. And I, outside of Ja, I would think that nobody would be untouchable. And obviously the right kind of mix of guys uh, and picks are going to have to be included to make that work. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has has had his own injury concerns, which from a Brooklyn standpoint would be concerning. Uh, so I understand that. But from a Memphis standpoint, it would seem like, hey, there have just been enough questions around that that the upside doesn't seem to be better. I saw I saw some people on Twitter kind of sticking with the um the Memphis side of things on not wanting to give up those guys for for mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, which I thought was interesting. Um but the only kind of solution to that I, I could see is that they must believe that their playoff and championship window is going to be longer three, four, five years from now than it is currently with Kevin Durant. And obviously you don't know what your roster looks like if you're acquiring Kevin Durant, but assuming you're going to, to borderline decimate that um, I, I just, I, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I feel like with Luca, the Clippers, um, the Lakers, potentially the Warriors, however long this dynasty continues to last, I feel like there are too many things up in the air four or five years from now to bank on a Memphis core, truly developing into a contender um, rather than adding Kevin Durant right now and immediately launching yourself into that top echelon of the league. Um, so Lauren, that brings me to the next question. Let's let's do this exercise. We do it with every team. What does this look like upcoming and as well into the future? Let's do this for Memphis with and without Kevin Durant. So let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's do it first without this team as constructed right now, because mm-hmm. in all likelihood that probably does end up being what happens is, is Kevin Durant ends up somewhere else. Um, and uh, until then, we'll assume not. But right now with this mm-hmm. team, you mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. out for four to six months already. So what does this te- what does this team look like rolling into next season? Yeah. So so first, I should clarify that as of June 30th, when he had the surgery on his foot was when he was ruled out four to six months. So obviously that kind of 
is looking at right around the start of, on the on the best case scenario of start of the season, worst case scenario kind of around Christmas time. And well, I don't even want to say worst case scenario. It could it could very well be around the new year. Um, but I think as of right now, given the depth that they have and how many draft selections that they just made, I really do think that not having Jaron Jackson, yes, you're going to notice from a defensive standpoint, but they have enough players that can step up and really kind of supplement what he what he does. I think, I mean, having Brandon Clark in there, uh, Zaire Williams, even Dylan Brooks, who um, had a solid playoff performance. I mean, you've just got guys that can step up, not to mention Jake LaRavia and and David Roddy. I think those are two guys who could also get some some opportunity in there. And, and, and I haven't even mentioned Tillman, Xavier Tillman. So they just, they have so many options. They're still such a young group. And when you have someone like Jaw, um, you just that's and you still have Desmond Bain so like they they really I think they will be fine but in terms of what their ceiling will be uh once they get Jaron Jackson Jr. back I mean it's it almost feels eerily similar to having a Luca-led Mavericks team with a Porzingis where oh what could our ceiling be if he's healthy when he's healthy all that stuff and so um, I feel for Memphis fan, fans and in that regard, because that is a very real um, thing to have to deal with uh, in an ongoing way. And so as of right now, I do think that their roster, they have so much depth, but when you have so much depth, you can't just keep making draft selections and keep giving everybody opportunity to, to reach their potential. It just, there's not enough minutes for everyone. So um, I think as of right now, they would still be a very good team, but if they don't do, and if it doesn't necessarily have to be this Kevin Durant trade, but if they don't make a consolidation trade here in the near future, it's going to just kind of be, they're going to be good, but it's like, well, I don't really think anyone's going to sit here and say, we would pick them over some of these top teams at the top who do have multiple you know, not just star level, all-star level players, but multiple top 25 players in the league. So that's why I think this is such an important conversation and why even if you are a Memphis fan and you are attached to Jaron Jackson Jr. and the relationship that he has with John Morant, uh, and the same can be said for Desmond Bain, you cannot just look past the opportunity at having two potentially even top 10 players in the NBA within the next you know year or two years. So that that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I'm with you on a lot of that. And I think it kind of goes back to hoping that these guys continue to develop. And and I would say more so expecting that these guys are going to develop into the point where you become that contender two, three, four years from now. I mean, you hope that Dylan Brooks um, uh, continues to kind of develop. He could become a borderline all-star um, one of these seasons, if if not arguably already. Brandon Clark, you hopefully he he continues to develop. Uh, but Lauren, another big you you failed to mention is Steven Adams. And by no means does he have to be um, their replacement, Jaron Jackson Jr. while he's out. Uh, but he just provides quality big minutes uh, and doesn't need to do too much. I, I feel like his veteran presence helps them a lot. He he embraces that Memphis grit and grind attitude uh, to a T. And so I, I look at their roster as it's constructed and just feel like they're in, in a good position with or without Kevin Durant. And so the problem is when we look at this upcoming season, I feel like their ceiling is a second round exit at best. I just, right now they're in that, that period where they just need experience. And unfortunately until they get it, they're going to be kind of stuck in, in this kind of neutral gear where you just, 
you're not seeing a ton of progress, but you're not really seeing a step back either, unless these guys truly turn into the all-star um, kind of overnight sensations that we hope for. Ja obviously launched himself into a whole nother level last year. Um, and, and they have more than, than enough guys who are capable of doing the same. Now I wouldn't put them in that jaw tier, but into the borderline all-stars. I mean, I, I can't remember. I saw on Twitter last or, or this week that last season we had more first time all-stars than we had in the past five or six years or like seven new first time all-stars. Mm-hmm. If you told me that Memphis had one of their first time all-stars next year, in addition to jaw, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. And so I just, um, uh, I, I think this team is banking on the development. Uh, personally, I think the swing for Kevin Durant makes sense, but I also understand that where they're at, um, th- this team's a lot of fun. So I want to switch gears now too. Let, let's pretend they pull off this trade for Kevin Durant. And, and again, maybe we have to come up with a package so that we can envision what this roster looks like. Uh, but, and, and Lauren, I'll leave that to you. I know you're kind of our trade wizard if you, if you want to mm-hmm. take that step, but sure. imagining at, at the purest line, a, a jaw KD um, one, two, that's mm-hmm. gotta, that's gotta put you in the Western conference finals, at least the conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so assuming they pull off the trade, I would assume it will be for Jaron Jackson Jr. to be the uh, kind of primary piece in the trade, uh, really more so because of the, the the age, the potential, and the roster that Brooklyn already has. As much as I like Bain, I think Jaron Jackson could have a higher ceiling, and I just see that being the more likely case. So the, pa- the package that I think uh, could be close personnel-wise, uh, not including picks, um, would be Jaron Jackson Jr., Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, and Danny Green. If they do end up going the Desmond Bain route, well, then they'll have to add Steven Adams. And at that point, you'll you'll have so much salary filler going on. I just, I don't know. So assuming Jaron Jackson is on his way out, Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks on their way out, you're bringing in Kevin Durant. Um, at that point, I think you'd be looking at a starting lineup of Ja, Bain, Durant, um, obviously Steven Adams at the five and then at the four, I think you'd have Brandon Clark and, um, that's a very big, long lineup. That's a really, really good lineup. And I, I, I think having both Zaire Williams and Brandon Clark, I think you'd really only have to add one of them into the trade. And so it could just as easily be Brandon Clark, but Zaire Williams is so young. So I lean putting him in there. Um, and, and, and even if you, whichever one you keep, I think would, would then be in that starting lineup. So at that point, you still have a lot of depth. You still have Tyus Jones coming off your bench, running the second unit. I mean, you just, you have so much flexibility. And so, um, and then you, st- I mean, for Memphis, I think the best thing for them to do at that point, like, is just, you're obviously you're going to be, um, I don't want to say load managing because with jaw, I mean, jaw had a significant injury last year. You're not going to load manage jaw, but like the expectation for the team would be, yeah, Western conference finals. And so right now, I mean, going back to what you said about a second round exit, it's not that I, I don't think either of us is like, Oh, we don't believe in Memphis or we don't think that they're legit. It's not that I think it's when you look at teams like the Clippers, the warriors, the nuggets, even like, it's very even Phoenix and and even Minnesota, depending on the matchup, it's very difficult to just pencil in Memphis and the Western Conference Finals. You just can't 
guarantee that um the same well i'm not even gonna go down a maps route but anyway <laughs> so so another day for another day. another day another day so so for memphis i mean when you look at what you'd be sending out what you're bringing in while still have it's not like you're dismantling your entire roster right. you know you have plenty of young talent star level talent to pair with kevin durant and you you don't have a gaping hole at any position so that's why I lean towards how can you not do this deal? Because um, it's uh, what's different about a Toronto type situation for like a Scotty Barnes based package. Um, just using another team that's been discussed with a, with a young uh, star or guy that looks like he has star potential. The difference is for Toronto, he looks like he, that, that guy looks like he is the young core or like the build around franchise cornerstone of this next generation of Toronto. Right. For Memphis, they've already got that guy. Right. That guy's not even in the discussion <laughs> and he never will be. Isn't that crazy? So that's the big difference here. And why, if you're looking at Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr., you can't, look at them the way Toronto was looking at Scotty Barnes because right. even though Scotty Barnes might not be isn't the best player as of today in Toronto he is the most valued asset in Toronto which is different than Memphis right no it's it's kind of a great spot for Memphis to be in right now and and Lauren you you put that that trade package together uh it was Jaron Jackson and you excluded Desmond Bain if Brooklyn says I your package has to include those five picks, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson to start before we even continue having this conversation. That's what the bare minimum package has to include. What are you saying if you're Memphis? Um, I'm saying, hell no, you're not getting Jaron Jackson, <laughs> Desmond Bain and five picks. You're not getting that. That's absurd. Um, I think it's, I, I, that's just not going to happen. Um, but if, if it's, you know, if it's one of them plus, if it's, I will say, if it's one of them, Zaire and Brandon Clark and Dylan Brooks, I mean, Dylan Brooks, here's the deal. He's on an expiring deal. There's lots of, like, I, I don't want to say concerns there, but his value is not even close to what Brandon Clark or Zaire Williams is. So I don't consider him to be so, like a needle moving thing in, in that deal. But assuming you have one of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Darren, uh, excuse me, Desmond Bain, if they say, oh, we want Brandon Clark and Zaire Williams, I think a lot of Memphis fans would be like, no chance. But even at that point, I'd still do it. I would still do it. Um, yeah. Because the thing is, is, it's four years of Kevin Durant with Ja Morant as Ja is entering his prime. And the thing about Ja right now, plays both sides of the ball. His jumper is getting better. Like, I mean, it just... If you are a team that is not in LA, a New York, or a Miami, or a Chicago, you dream of the scenario where you have an opportunity to pair a top ten player with your all star. And so, I mean, this is it. This is it. And and the last thing I just want to say before I kick it back to you is, can you? And this is what I would ask Memphis fans who are saying there's no chance I do that deal. How how confident are you that Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, or Zaire Williams are all even top 15, top 20 guys in the league? And that should be your answer right there. Right. So so Lauren, I, I you at the start of that, you you started talking. You said, no way I'm including Bain, Jaron Jackson, and five picks. But I I feel like by the end, 
you gave me the reason of why I would consider that if I'm Memphis. The the fact of pairing KD and Ja together is just something you're not going to get. You are not a New York. You are not a Chicago. You are not an LA. You are Memphis. And and as tough as it is, if you're not one of the, the huge market teams, you've got to do what you can to win a championship. And if that means trading Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and five picks, I think that's something worth considering. Uh, and, and we'll I don't, see. I, I, I got to stop you there because I just don't think there's any scenario in which that would ever be the case. I think the equivalent <laughs> would be that. I think that would be the equivalent of them calling Boston and saying, I will take Jalen Brown, uh, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, um, Grant Williams, and and your picks. See, no, I, I, I disagree because the the known players, and, and this is where the NBA is weird, um, the, the value of a draft pick and an unknown player is so high. However, these known players – uh, especially veterans like that, you know what you're getting. And, and so I think those those two picks are, are, or those two packages are vastly different. And we can get into a different discussion of, well, is there is there a better offer out there? Sure. But I think you're, you kind of made the point. You said, if you are Memphis, you've got to do whatever it takes to pair KD with Jock, assuming that you truly have an opportunity. And in my opinion, if that, and again, I don't know what that takes. Of course, if you can if you can do that without giving Des, giving up Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., then you don't do that. But if that's the only scenario it, it takes, in my opinion, I think that is worth considering. Uh, yeah, I, I personally, I don't. I think that's a way, I think that's an overpay. I think that's a way overpay. And so I, just, <laughs> I don't think an overpay exists for Kevin Durant. I, I think that that is fair. Uh, but if you're Memphis and you have all those young pieces... Plus, I mean, think about what you could do with just Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, the Steven Adams contract, um, some of these other young guys and all the picks while while retaining all of those guys. Like you could go out and get somebody else, a very solid caliber. Um, and so I just personally, I, I, I don't see um, a scenario where where they would do those two plus five picks like I I I see the 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 I guess the argument of oh it's Kevin Durant you have to pretty much do whatever it would take even if it is something that high but the reality is is it doesn't look like many other teams are really stepping up to the plate so if you're going to add um it like it just doesn't seem like if you're going to add those two guys plus picks plus even the salary filler who are quality players it just that to me like uh, I don't think that's something Zach Kleiman and the Grizzlies would ever even consider. Even yeah. if maybe they should, I don't think they ever would. Well, you, you say other teams aren't stepping up to the plate. I think right now the Nets aren't interested in the packages that are out there. And I think we've probably right. heard a package or two that are maybe worth considering if you're Brooklyn. But the way things stand right now, um, Brooklyn holds the leverage. Uh, they have no reason to trade him just because he wants to, because at the end of the day, he's signed for four more years. And so they, they kind of hold the cards and and everybody's waiting on them. So um, we're interested to hear what you think. Lauren and I obviously stand on different sides of this. Um, I think we both stand on the side of if Kevin Durant doesn't end up in Memphis, well then <laughs> no worries. Mavs will be in a, a hopefully better <laughs> spot. So uh, we're interested to hear from you. Reach us, reach out to us on Twitter Tell us what you think. What should Memphis do if they're considering acquiring Kevin Durant? Uh, Lauren, we talked about a while ago, maybe they're one of the teams that that should turn their attention to Donovan Mitchell if he's available. Uh, obviously a lesser package. Um, 
there uh but but pairing him up with jaw is also very enticing and if you're interested in our conversation you can go back and listen to that podcast uh, I, I forget what it's titled but it's something along the lines of um these teams should should not be waiting for kevin durant to fall to move on david and mitchell something like that so so go take a listen we'll link that under our tweet uh for this podcast if you want to go listen to it but, but reach out to us tell us what you think it takes for memphis to acquire kevin durant so Let's move our attention to the holder of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, that's the Utah Jazz. Lauren, as things stand, it is August 22nd, 6 p.m. Donovan Mitchell's still on the Utah Jazz. However, it does not feel like he will be there for much longer. Like Kevin Durant, it seems to be just a matter of time. Um, but they've got a roster full of other guys as well. So let's let's talk about what they've done this season. So on top of hiring the youngest coach, uh, I believe all time in Will Hardy, they also traded away Rudy Gobert. They acquired Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Walker Kessler, five first-round picks, and Leo Balmaro, I believe. I think I got that name right. Um, and so we mentioned that they have a ton of vets to deal with as well. But, Lauren, what are your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell thing? Do you, do you think they are waiting for the right package? Do you think it's a done deal he's going to New York? They're just ironing out, ironing out the details. Um, where do where do you think stand with Donovan Mitchell right now? I do think it's a done deal that he's going to New York. Um, I, good Lord, I really think that they're trying to iron out the young players that will be included and the protection on how many unprotected picks the Jazz can get. It was reported today that Danny Age wants four. Um and it goes four unprotected firsts plus quickly. Yeah. See, that's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, they're getting closer and closer to, you know, knocking that price down, knocking that price down because it seems that the rest of the league is looking at this saying, okay, he's going to New York. So why would I even get involved? Why would I even allow for a bidding war to ensue? Like I know. Um, so I, I really do expect it to just be one of these young guys. Um, I, well, I expect it to be Quentin Grimes. I expect it to be Quentin Grimes. And then I think they're just ironing out the picks. Maybe Obi Toppin. I saw it was reported that they offered him today in the deal. Um, but personally, as of right now, and things can always change and I can always be wrong, but I lean more towards them taking Quentin Grimes and having fewer protected picks than wanting Obi Toppin um, and getting more unprotected picks, uh, especially given New York looking at moving Quentin Grimes and bringing in um, Donovan Mitchell would leave them with a guard rotation, uh, primarily with uh, Brunson, Mitchell, and Quickly. And then you've got Obi Toppin and Rand, or excuse me, Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson for when you decide to move on Randall, because I think we all know it won't be long for that. So I think their best move is to move on from Grimes, even though he is the guy that clearly seems to be one of, if not the most coveted young pieces um, that Utah wants. And so um, for New York, I think that they're just going to hold their ground until until the time comes. But I just I don't see at any point how uh, Donovan Mitchell staying in Utah would even be or or going anywhere else would even be on the table. It's just a matter of when. 
Yeah, I think the player package is is what's going to be most interesting about this. You talk about Quentin Grimes, uh, product of Perk Performance, uh, Ben Perkins and his player player development team and and coach. Uh, so so shout out to him. We we had him on the pod a summer ago. So um, shout out there. But but for Utah, we, we look at their roster still as it stands. We talked about they acquired Patrick Beverly. They still got Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Mike Conley, Rudy Gay, all these guys on the roster too, that I think there's some wiggle room, uh, some deals to be made. I, I feel like Jordan Clarkson could fetch you a first round pick or two, uh, depending on the team. Uh, two may be a stretch there, but but getting a first round pick is definitely not out of the question. Mike Conley as well for the right bidder. Um, Bogdanovich potentially as well. Um, so I don't know that you're going to get first round picks for all of these guys, but there are definitely assets to be had when moving off of those guys. So assuming they trade away Donovan Mitchell and launch this thing into the full rebuild rebuild that we all expect, there are some assets they're going to recoup from those guys as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you consider that you look at this Donovan Mitchell piece and say, okay, I do need to acquire some sort of young piece to build around. It can't just be picks. So while four unprotected picks sound great, Lauren, would you prefer as a Utah fan two first round picks and Emmanuel quickly as opposed to a Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin and and more picks? And and is that something that's even reasonable? Uh, Personally, I don't think quickly and two picks is reasonable, but I would rather have uh, Grimes and Toppin. Let's say I'd rather have Grimes and Toppin uh Grimes and Toppin and three picks then quickly and you know I I personally I think I think that this is their opportunity and I said initially when this first happened that I expected to be included in the trade um quickly Toppin and Cam Reddish because I was like okay you just you just got all your picks with this Rudy Gobert deal you have right. Jared Vanderbilt, who's a very solid young player, very solid. Um, and you, like you just said, you're going to get picks for all those other vets that you're going to sell on. So why is this where you need to get your picks? Because right. in my opinion, it's just not. It's not. Right. And so it seems like the teams right now that are stockpiling on these picks and have been over the courses of the – I mean, you look at OKC, you look at New Orleans, you look at – um uh who was the other one that was just on my mind um Houston like you've got all these teams that are kind of that are that are doing things with with their picks and so you can understand why Utah would want to do that but if you just move on from Donovan Mitchell and then you don't do anything else and you have all these veterans granted obviously that's not a great team but looking at Rudy uh, excuse me Rudy Gay and Patrick Beverly and Mike Conley Guys like that and saying, hey, yeah, we're going to tank. Can you do that for me? <laughs> Those guys don't do that. Right. They don't do that. And so it's just it, personally, I mean, the Russell Westbrook of it all is a whole entirely separate conversation. But there are several paths for Utah to continue to extend the return on some of these players as they do kind of go into that full rebuild. But I do think that the best thing for them to do is going out and getting I would I would say at least two at this point the value the leverage is quickly leaving 
I mean, by the day, it's it's evaporating out of, out of Danny Ainge's hands. So if I'm Utah at this point, I just want two players. I want one of them to be Quentin Grimes, and then I want the other to be Quickly or Toppin. It looks like it would be Toppin. But I think if you go from there, that's a great place to start, and then you get the picks because you're still going to get picks anyway. But if you don't have any player, if you don't really have any player to to try and build around or try and establish a young core with, what are you doing? Right. What's the direction? And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I, I think you kind of eloquently made the point that I I was trying to make in my question in that the focus of the trade does need to be the player you're going to build around. And build around is a loose term because any of these draft picks that they've had, that could end up being the player that they build around. Things change right. quickly. But as far as the immediate future and having a young guy to um, to kind of develop, it needs to be, in my opinion, somebody out of this trade. So, Lauren, while this kind of still on plays, do you think there's any chance? I mean, we talked about it being a done deal that he's headed to New York. Mm-hmm. But do you think teams are still trying to consider sweeping in like a Miami and and trying to make a play for Donovan Mitchell? Or is it or, or is it really just New York and, and nobody else? I do think it really is just New York. But if there's any other team, it's Miami. It's <laughs> Miami. Because I really do believe that they're looking at this um this current I don't even landscape of the NBA. When you look at the guys that are available that could be of use to Miami and that are currently attainable given the players that they have. I mean, you look at a Kyrie, you look at a Donovan Mitchell, um, like those are two guys that those just don't become available all the time. So um, I absolutely think if anyone's going to scoop in, it's going to be Miami, but given that this entire discussion between Utah and New York has seems to be centered around picks. I just, that's why I don't even lean to, to even, even give Miami's package a a thought, but if they did decide to go that Tyler hero route, I mean, that would be interesting because his, his extension is looming. That's a, that's a heavy payroll when you decide to extend him. So if they decided to go that route without having the picks from a Utah perspective, I mean, that's your player to build around. Exactly. Whereas the the picks that you would get from from New York are not necessarily your number one guy that you would build around, but uh, so so there is an interesting conversation to be had there. But based on everything that we've seen that Utah is prioritizing, I think it's safe to say that as of right now, we have no reason to believe that they would prioritize receiving Tyler Hero over a slew of picks. Right. I think that's the interesting piece of all of this. I, I mean, you 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 hit it on the head looking for that player to build around. I think Tyler hero makes way more sense than the package that New York can, can put together. Now I, I obviously understand the picks and everything. And, and we've talked about that, but definitely interesting uh, conversation. And and I, I mean, like you said, it seems to be a done deal that he's headed to New York, but wouldn't be surprised if a team's going to swoop in. We've, we've seen, seen the, crazier. Exactly. And the Dwayne Wade um, connection Ugh. there has already, uh, gotten some heat fans going so anyway we're going to take a break but when we come back our our remaining two teams to talk about the miami heat and the new york knicks we've discussed them some up to this point we'll take a deeper dive when we come back all righty welcome back so before the break we talked about miami a little bit uh and, and kind of teased 
what that might look like uh, in a Tyler Hero package for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he continues to be kind of the piece of trade bait floated around. Uh, they've got a lot of salary on the books, but they're coming off a Game 7 Conference Finals loss to the Celtics. Uh, this team has obviously shown a lot of playoff success in the past few years. Uh, they they were in the finals back in the bubble. Uh, again, last year in the conference finals, one game away from making another appearance. Uh, Lauren, I, I still tend to believe that if Miami had beaten the Celtics in, in some world, that would have been the only way the Mavs were going to get to the playoffs or to the finals because we only ever seem to play the Heat when we get there. But uh, <laughs> for Miami, they've got uh, another kind of interesting season coming up ahead of them. Uh, they re-signed Victor Oladipo, uh, Caleb Martin, and, and Dwayne Dedman as well. Coming back, they drafted Nikola Jovic. Um, and, and the kind of Tyler Hero situation looming over them as well. He's set to enter the final year of his contract this year. Um, Kyle Lowry as well has two years left on his contract. Um, Duncan Robinson, $17 million years, $17 million this year that he's making. He has three years on his deal. Uh, so there are just a lot of pieces uh, with this team. But at the end of the day, when you've got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, you're in a good spot. So Lauren, talk to me about this Miami team. What do things look like for them this coming up, up this coming season and as well into the future? Yeah, I mean, I had I had talked to a couple of Miami fans, I guess, um, on Twitter and I, I was kind of understanding that there was a level of an element of disappointment that they didn't really do a whole lot. And they kind of just brought back the same crew, which I understand from an entertainment perspective, from a fandom perspective, but luckily when you're a team like Miami, you have the luxury of, of running it back when you have someone like a Jimmy Butler, a, a great coach uh, that they, and, and Spo and, and you've got Bam and then you've got a young guy in Tyler hero. And I think the, the reason this Tyler hero thing seem, seems to keep coming up is the fact that, like you said, he is on the final year of his deal and it's, I mean, his extension is, is coming up, but it looks like it's going to be four for a hundred, which is Jalen Brunson money. <laughs> but it might not be built around a star. Like this is who you're building around money. So there's just up in the air. What's his ceiling. There have been given his role. There have been times where it's like, okay, this guy could really be something or is this the best role for him to have the most success uh, for himself and, and, and for the team that has him. And so there's just, I think a lot of discussion to be had about Tyler hero and where he fits into Miami's short-term and long-term plans um, with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler being the age that they are, I do think that there's a little bit, I mean, in Miami, let's just be real. There's always pressure. It's always, if you have the talent, you need to be in the conversation. Uh, and they certainly have the talent to be in the conversation, but Kyle Lowry did not exactly have his best year last year. And grand, he, he had a lot going on. So I don't think he deserves, you know, a ton of scrutiny or anything like that, but, um, there is pressure on Miami and we just got done talking about how unique of a time we are in right now where you've got multiple big name players who are available and their value just isn't that high so if you're a Miami and you're looking at trying to make it over that you know final hump and 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 
be in the finals again um, and, and bringing Jimmy Butler his first championship and bringing Miami back a championship in this kind of new era that they're in. I mean, that would be huge. And so I do think that that between Tyler Hero, his extension looming, the dollar amount that he's at right now, and Kyle Lowry being at the dollar amount that he's at right now. And I mean, you can even throw in Duncan Robinson in there. You cannot move forward without having some of these internal conversations about potential upgrades that are out there. So in the event that they do run it back with this same team and and kind of keep going the way they have, I think that they have a, a deep roster and that they'll have another very solid year. But looking at the rest of the East, I mean, looking at Philly coming back, the way James Harden looks, looking at Boston, who's loaded up, Milwaukee coming back healthy, I still don't know if everyone's going to look at Miami and say, okay, yeah, I'll pick them to even to even be guaranteed in the Eastern Conference Finals. They could, I, I would predict them to be a top three seed. I would. But do I think that they will, I can pencil them in for the conference finals? No, I cannot. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a function of the Eastern Conference. But when you you look at this roster, it's very well constructed. You've got to love the fact that your two best players are very defensively minded in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, but you've got the veteran point guard in Kyle Lowry. Now, granted, you hope that he has a better season than last year. Uh, but you add Duncan Robinson, and then you talked about Tyler Hero. In, in the two seasons that they've had great success, both this past season and then in the bubble season, he was very instrumental into what they were doing and played mm-hmm. a big role in their success. Uh, and so what his role looks like with this team moving forward, obviously up in the air. But I've got to assume, for now at least, until otherwise, he's going to be a part of that team moving forward. And so you just you feel like they've got kind of the right pieces. Mm-hmm. They just need things to fall right and so whether that's i mean back in the bubble it was goran Dragic. he was the guy who who got injured and, and the piece that they seem to really be hurting well they replaced him with kyle lowry but he just hasn't quite been what he was uh in the past you mentioned his age he's i believe he's 36 right now he's set to make 28 million dollars this year he's got one more year past this where he's going to make 30 million dollars i mean jimmy butler 32 years old um and so they just it's 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 fascinating we talk about their their roster building but lauren do you think they need one more piece to get over that hump and if so what does that piece look like personally i looking at last year's team i do think that they need one more piece and it doesn't i don't even need i don't even i don't even want to say oh you take this current group and you add one more piece and it's a done deal it's really more so of the the current most recent kyle lowry that we've seen of it all If you can upgrade on that, I really do think that you're in a very solid position. And so, and, and and maybe, maybe they don't need to do that. And they look at uh, this team, Kyle Lowry comes out strong and they don't feel like they need to make a move. Unfortunately, the ship might have sailed by then. Both ships may have sailed by then in the Donovan Mitchell and the Kyrie conversations that seem to keep being had. And and even the Kevin Durant one, which I don't think either of us really think is for real, but All of those ships may have sailed by the time they decide whether or not Kyle Lowry is the right uh, final piece for them. And so I think that's why you have to have a discussion about it is because sometimes uh, you don't want to 
be the one that waits around and then realize that you missed a big opportunity. And again, a lot of it comes back to Jimmy Butler's age because the same way I look at Miami is the same way I look at Phoenix. And I know that they're in very different situations, but when Chris Paul signed that extension to the dollar amount and for the length that he did, same goes for Jimmy Butler. I mean, they're at the ages that they're at and they're going to be making $40 million annually uh, in their late thirties, like approaching 40. That is dangerous that is so dangerous (laughs) and so you want to be maximizing on the years especially for Miami with Jimmy where he hasn't had a massive recent injury like he looks fine out there you don't want to be playing with fire with those uh and yes pun intended since we're talking about the heat um but (laughs) anyway you like you don't want you just don't want to take that for granted and so that's why I can't help but say if you have an opportunity and and especially if you're looking at your current roster and you're like, Oh, well, I don't really know what the future holds of Tyler Hira as a potential starter. Do we want to go smaller? What do we see his, what are our long-term plans for him? All of these are relevant subjects of conversation when deciding where you need to upgrade and granted. Yeah. They do have the Duncan Robinson contract. They do have the Victor Oladipo contract and even Max Struess, who's on a very, who's on a minimum making minimum money this year. And he's a solid player. They've got plenty of things to trade. They don't exactly have a ton of draft picks to trade, but if they want to kind of make a shift in terms of trying to go after someone like Harrison Barnes or like a Karis LeVert or like something to just bring in more talent, they can do that. But does that even put you past a Philly, a Milwaukee? You know, I, I don't know that it does, which is why even like no matter the, the three names that we keep throwing out there, you absolutely need to be having those conversations despite the close relationship between Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. Because I think if anyone's going to understand it being a business, it's Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I, to answer my own question, do they need another piece? I don't think they need another piece. No, they don't need another piece. Right, but it definitely shores things up. And and so that, that's kind of where Miami's at. And I, I mean, I like Memphis, if you're a Miami fan, you've got to feel good about where things are. But you will always kind of have that thought, could things be better? And, and until the window closes, you may never know that answer. Um, and, and so... Like I said, the way the roster is built, you've got to be happy with where things are at, but you've got to be open to kind of upgrades. I feel like this is a team that once once um, Donovan Mitchell does get dealt and Utah goes into fire sale mode, I think this is a team that could very well jump in on one of those Utah vets looking to relocate. Yes, absolutely. Whether that's Jordan Clarkson, whether that's Rudy Gay, Mike Conley. Now, again, things get interesting when you start trying to place money as well as fit and so again i'm not saying any of these players will but i just feel like this is kind of a perfectly suited team to take on one of those types of guys can i pose a question to you and it it might not be an easy oh yes or no but i absolutely in my opinion i think it's an intriguing question when you're looking around at the rest of the nba and the true title contenders of today Does Jimmy Butler being your number one, very clear, very clear number one on your team, do you really feel that that is something that can outdo some of these other teams that have, you know, do you know, you get the direction that I'm trying to go. I'm I'm struggling to put it together, but do you, do you think he can be a number one on a, on a finals winner? 
Well, this is the narrative that has followed him throughout his career, whether it's been him on Chicago or him in Minnesota or him in Philly. And each of those situations did not work out. The interesting thing about Miami is how this team is suited. Being Mm -hmm. so defensively minded and having an anchor like Bam Mm -hmm. helps so much. That's something he hasn't had in the past. So from that aspect, yes, I think it's possible. Um, I think he's one of those guys that just has that weird gear in his head. Yes, I I would agree with that. And so from that aspect, I think, yes, he can be. I don't know if he will. And so if Miami's okay with kind of rolling things forward, then I think he's going to get that shot. Will it be in the finals again? I don't know. But every year we get to see, all right, where can Jimmy Butler take this team? And, right. and I think after that finals appearance, nobody really expected that to happen again. And the fact that they were one game away last year kind of speaks a lot to Butler's legacy, so to speak. So again, I don't know that I answered your question, but it isn't black and white. So it's not. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is there doesn't seem to be another piece that they can add, at least in the near future, um, that would upgrade. And and to go back to hold Jimmy Butler's story I mean, every time he's been paired with another alpha, that really hasn't worked for Jimmy Butler. Uh, I mean, you point. you look even past uh, back to this past season. I don't know the details of the flare up they had in the middle of the game, uh, but late in the, the end of the season, him and Spo got into it to a point where Udonis Haslam had to step up and get in his face. And and again, the whole Miami mantra is is tough guy we're gonna get in your face kind when of when it all costs exactly when it all costs. and so sure i i understand that that it's probably easy to move past in the moment and, and chalk it up to uh a kind of heat of the moment thing pun intended um, <laughs> but but it's just it's just i i don't know what what that means like the it's hard to kind of just look past the egos at a certain point because when when situations like that follow somebody throughout their career, that's always going to be the narrative. One, can this guy be the guy? Two, is he too much of an alpha to have another guy uh, alongside him? And so I I hate that that's the narrative for Jimmy Butler, but that's just the nature of the NBA. So I I don't know what that looks like, um, but I, I will say I go back to the way this roster is constructed, and I feel like for Miami, they're in as good of a position as they can be, all things considered. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. And I think that there's even I wouldn't hate seeing them try and even go small for a couple of games and throw right. out. I mean, they they already have gone small in the past, but um, just without having P.J. Tucker there this year, I'll be interested to see how that kind of alters maybe some of the smaller lineups that they do throw out there um, and just, you know, what that may look like. And if Tyler Hero uh, does get maybe a little bit even more responsibility uh, on his shoulders. Yeah. I think that that's a huge kind of piece to, to mention. I, I completely forgot PJ Tucker not being there. I mean, on the surface, I don't think it changes a ton regular season wise, but come playoffs when you need to shorten up your rotation and you need guys that you can throw out and switch one through five uh, PJ Tucker was one of those guys. And, and in the playoffs, that is incredibly valuable. So, so I, it will be interesting to see how that impacts them uh, later into this season. So, all right. So moving, moving on to the team we've talked about uh, a little bit already. Uh, that's the New York Knicks. We've talked about Donovan Mitchell kind of seemingly being a done deal there. 
Uh, it sounds like the package, whatever that may be, is is kind of days away, hopefully, from being announced. Uh, but on top of seemingly acquiring Donovan Mitchell, put an asterisk on that. They signed Jalen Brunson to a four-year, $104 million deal. They re-signed Mitchell Robinson to four-year, $60 million. Uh, they brought in Isaiah Hartstein on a two-year, $16 million deal. Uh, but to get all that done, they had to dump quite a bit of salary. They traded away Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. Uh, they also sent their 11th pick and Kemba Walker all to Detroit, and they acquired a couple of first-round picks uh, in that deal as well. So, Lauren, I don't even know where to start with the Knicks. What, <laughs> I mean, I feel like every day we're seeing a new video pop up on Twitter of Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson and Obi Toppin getting their butts kicked to a bunch of non-pros. <laughs> <laughs> in in a pro-am league no but, love uh, lost jb no love <laughs> lost um, but i just i mean what what are the knicks to do here like i, I don't I, hopefully adding donovan mitchell makes them better uh, i i can't help but think it does mm-hmm. but i still look at this roster and don't know how the these teams kind of fit together or, or how these guys fit together moving forward so lauren give me your thoughts on the knicks well, I'm having a really hard time envisioning it all working in a Tom Thibodeau's system. That's where I'm really struggling. And right now, I think, assuming operating under the assumption that they do get Donovan Mitchell, um, the biggest problem that I'm having is Julius Randle. I just do not think that if you're going to have someone as ball dominant as Donovan Mitchell, and then you're also going to be fulfilling your promise to Jalen Brunson that he is your guy, that this is now his team with Donovan Mitchell also just happening to be there along with RJ Barrett. Don't, Oh, Oh, let me not forget about RJ Barrett. Right. You know, like it, it just, it feels messy. It feels very messy. And that's why it's like, okay, if you're looking at, I mean, don't get me wrong. They have, they have several quality players. They even have solid or, or quality players that will come off of the bench, but it just doesn't feel like it all fits together as well as it should. Um, and personally, I think a lot of that has to do with with Julius Randle and where he fits into all of it, especially when it becomes even more apparent than it already was last year, where he really fits on the pecking order. Um, so I do think that it's in their best interest to be lining up deals for Julius Randle. Um, and unfortunately there, there aren't many teams out there that I think are, would, would be open to that. Um, and so I, I do struggle with, with that. Well, I guess maybe not. I can think of like three off the top of my head that I think would trade for Julius Randle, but, um, they're not super squeaky clean, win for both side deals and so I mean when when New York signed him to this mega extension I don't think that they viewed it I mean he he had the best year of his career that year and was his first time all-star that that year I don't think they expected him to so quickly turn into what many I think would consider to be a negative value asset and he's still a very talented player he looks like he's in great shape I think in a different system he could look he could be fantastic but given all of the factors right now, the value just isn't that high. So with New York maybe not wanting to add some sort of sweetener or whatever the case may be to move off of that and, and in turn would result in them keeping Julius Randle in this system, 
I just don't know how that's going to work. I mean, a lot of I mean, Donovan Mitchell was was so heavily criticized for his lack of defensive effort, really. But when you have the best defensive player in the game behind you to pick up that slack and kind of over overlap it, I or overlap is the wrong word, but but um, negate compensate. Your, yeah, compensate for your shortcomings. Um, it's all fine and dandy, but Mitchell Robinson is not Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Julius Randle, certainly not Rudy Gobert. And so I just don't know how well that's going to fit together. And I don't want to sit here and say, oh, they can make a move for Donovan Mitchell and turn around and trade Julius Randle, no problem. I certainly think there is a path for them to do so, but it's not a super clean one. It's not pretty. Um, and so I, I think it, they're going to have to wait on that one. And I just, and, and, and with the rest of the Eastern conference, we've gotten done. I mean, when we were talking about Miami, we just got done talking about all those other teams that are at the top. Nobody has the Knicks in that conversation. Right. Assu- and that's ev- everybody on the planet earth is assuming that they get Donovan Mitchell <laughs> and still nobody has them in that conversation. So, I uh, just don't really know personally, long story short, I don't think. Julius Randle is long for this day in New York. And I also don't think Tom Thibodeau is long for this day in New York because this roster that they're trying to build and this, you know, we're trying to bring in star level talent based on the stars that we already have. That does not go in line with what Tom Thibodeau wants. They've already moved on from Taj Gibson, which bear with, I mean, I know that that's pretty, pretty small potatoes in the grand scheme of things, but they moved on from Taj Gibson. It looks like they'll move on from Derek Rose in this deal. It just doesn't feel like Tom Thibodeau is long for this day in New York. Yeah. So you, you kind of sniped my question that I was going to pose here in a second. So I'll, I'll try to reword it here in a second to, to give you kind of the same, same emphasis on what this looks like for the Knicks. I, I think the interesting part of this for Tom Thibodeau we talk about the defensive questions that this team would have. Tom Thibodeau's kind of been known as as having a solid defensive squad when you go back and look at the teams he's coached over the years. Now, it helped that he had Jimmy Butler in Chicago uh, and, and again in Minnesota. But even in the past with the Knicks, they they haven't been horrible defensive, defensively. Uh, that being said, you just get to the, the kind of question of fit. And you talked about, I mean, you don't have a Rudy Gobert to fall back on. I think the problem for Thibodeau is that this lineup ends up being messy, I think is the, the perfect word that you described. And I don't know that Thibodeau is the coach to deal with a lineup that's messy like that. So I, th- I think I think you hit the, the nail on the head. It seems like he's not long for this team, uh, especially if they don't get off to a hot start uh, or even a semi-competitive start, I would say. Um, but you talk about Julius Randall-Lauren as well. His mm-hmm. fit doesn't seem to be solid with his team and again i think he could come out of the gate um in a jalen brunson donovan mitchell kind of led offense and and not struggle and again who knows there are so many questions with julius randall i don't know what player to expect with him is it the guy we see on twitter with the knicks fans yelling at the tv or is it the first time all-star that we get and and leading the knicks to a playoff appearance i don't know uh the it it seems like it would be the the, the former, uh, the, the Julius Randle uh, that just has you kind of asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted what my question was going to be to you was, Lauren, you you said Randle wasn't 
long for this team? Do you think mm-hmm. Thibodeau is long for this team? And you answered uh. that and you answered that question. So I, so my my follow up to that would be who do you see the Knicks moving on from first? Oh, absolutely, Julius Randle, because what I forgot to say and how it fits into all of this is even though right now it's Jalen Brunson's team and Tom Thibodeau's his guy, you know, we did not really touch on the fact that Tom Thibodeau and Jalen Brunson have this close relationship, but it's very quickly going to become Donovan Mitchell's team. Right. And where does that leave Jalen Brunson? And so it's, it's, I mean, Jalen Brunson will be fine. That's not even up for debate. But in terms of this narrative storyline that they're pitching right now, that it's Jalen Brunson's team, you know, family business in <laughs> Big Apple. Like, it's just, it's not going to be that, especially if you get Donovan Mitchell. And I, I don't think anyone is sitting here saying, oh, the Knicks should not trade for John, Donovan Mitchell. Maybe I'm I'm sure there are some folks out there that, that believe that and that's fine, whatever. But it seems like that's going to happen. This is what they've been waiting for. So I think it's safe to, to assume that, that that is what they want and that that's what will ultimately happen. Um, but when it becomes Donovan Mitchell's team and they're looking at, okay, we've got the young piece in RJ, we've got the win now piece in Donovan, we've got the signing of uh, Jalen Brunson quickly on the rise, whatever other young players are left over at that point, we really just need the final, the final piece. And then everyone else will just organically grow and we will be a team to mess or a tough team to deal with for years to come. I, I really feel like that's, the mindset that they're going to be operating with. And I mean, Jalen Brunson is going to find himself back in the same situation that he was this year. Only Donovan Mitchell does not pass the way Luka Doncic passes. (laughs) So you're not going to have the ball in your hands. You're not going to be receiving plays or, or you're not going to be set up the way Luka was setting you up. And so like, I just, it's, it's, I find it very hard to believe that they're going to sit here and say, actually, no, this is Jalen Brunson's team. Donovan Mitchell, you need to fall in line because this is a family business. Like, that's yeah. absurd. That's absurd. I, I'm with you. I don't want this to turn into a Jalen Brunson. Why did you choose New York? Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't mean for, for that. <laughs> I really just, I really do think that there's just going to be so many conflicting things that it's like, well, what is the direction of this Knicks team? So, so that's what I want to talk about. If we, if we feel like Randall's not long for this team, if we think Tibbs is not long for this team, what does this look like? What is, what is best case scenario for the Knicks? I don't want to spell out worst case because we know what that is. It's right. it's what we've seen over the past few years. So, so for best case, what is, and, and we don't have to name names. I'm not talking about replacement coaches or, or things like that or packages mm-hmm. for Randall. I'm just yeah. saying if, if guys hit like they hope that the Knicks hit, what does their ceiling look like? two, three, four, five years down the road. Oh, God. Best case, fifth seed this year. Best case. This year, even. This year. If they get Donovan Mitchell, I think best, absolute. Maybe even the sixth. Like, I wouldn't pick them over Toronto. Interesting. I think you can easily name who the top four will be. Right. And then after that, you've got Cleveland, Toronto, Atlanta. And I don't know that I'm picking New York over any of those right now. Right now. Maybe Chicago. Did I even name Chicago in there? See what I'm saying? Right. Like, it just, so that's why I, I, for the Knicks, like. So, so that, that's why I want to shift further down the road. 
Yeah, getting Donovan Mitchell puts them in the position of, oh, we're just quote unquote one piece away if that's right. what you yep. know they think. And so at that point, you just have to clear the money because yeah. they have found themselves in the position where, oh, we can now trade for a star who's locked up on multiple years because he wanted to come to New York. Brunson's contract then looks very good to match money at that point. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> it just depends. Right. I, there are so many I, questions. It, it, yeah. It all, it all depends. Um, And so at that point, I think you're going to see them shift and look at guys like, I guess in the short term, a guy like Jalen Brown, a guy like Zach Levine. Cause I know you and I are both not super sold on Chicago. Maybe right. even, maybe even a Jared Allen, if this twin towers thing is not working out in Cleveland and they would rather spend their money on a wing than two bigs. Like there are plenty of situations where guys could come available. Maybe the new Orleans uh, situation is an epic failure. And the Knicks really do think that they have a shot at Zion. Like, in free agency you know what right. i mean and so yep. i really do that's obviously with zion sign that's a different story but like i really do think that the knicks are going to operate under oh we are one piece away we're one piece away we're one piece away and so we don't need to make any drastic trades we can just kind of sit and keep building until that time comes and we've seen that before we've <laughs> seen that before oh poor knicks fans <laughs> so i just it's it's hard it's really hard for me to see i mean don't get me wrong the knicks team they're gonna be fun they've got yeah. a lot of really fun young players so it's not like they're not going to be entertaining while they wait for that final piece but as of right now it just does not the path to get that final piece is is not as easy as you might think absolutely well, that brings us to another close uh, and another edition of the gunshot. We had a lot of fun talking about Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant and all these teams that have been rumored and in play for, for both. Um, and so we look forward to seeing how things play out this upcoming season. Reach out to us on Twitter. We mentioned what, what do you think from a Memphis side uh, it takes to get a Kevin Durant? We want to hear what do you think about these other teams? What do you think the heat need uh, in terms of, of making a finals is it just luck or the knicks what is it that they need to finally turn a corner and be a playoff contender so hit us up on twitter we look forward to hearing you hearing from you guys uh, and we will see you all next time on the gunshot